listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. Welcome to another episode of The 30 Podcast. We're recording this right after the Lakers' 123-120 win over the Clippers. Weird game. Lakers looked like they were going to really go to an easy victory at the, going into the third quarter. The Clippers made this crazy comeback in the fourth. And uh, LeBron pretty much well took over on the offensive end, getting some big buckets. A weird play by Rondo at the end of the game. If you haven't checked it out yet, he basically tried to throw it off the Clippers' knee to kind of run out the last couple of seconds, which gave Lou Williams a chance to at least get off a shot. He couldn't because of some good defense. So the Lakers hung on, only sitting a game behind the Clippers now for eighth in the West. Uh, This podcast brought to you by Silverscreen and Roll.com. We have Lakers content updated daily. Got a great crew of writers over there who got you covered. News, stats, opinions, and of course, our podcast network. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get them. We're there, and you can follow us on Twitter at LakersSBN. And speaking of that great crew of writers, I have one of them on with me right now who I'm finding out over the last couple of months, pretty damn funny on Twitter too, Harrison Fagan. Harrison, what's going on, man? Hey, thanks for having me on. That was a that was a hell of an intro, and I, I like once again I gotta say like much better than Anthony does as far as plugging uh, the actual content on the site. So I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> no I got I know I know there's probably other stuff that we're gonna have to talk about, but you mentioned the Rondo thing, so I just want to talk about it now. That was to me. I was sitting there and I was like, this is that was like the basketball equivalent of when the kid that's like too smart for like you know like second grade or whatever get themselves in trouble because they just get bored and try to outsmart the teacher or something. Like, I do not understand what he was thinking, like, was going to be the benefit of that play. Because even if you throw it off of him out of bounds, like, that doesn't even kill the whole clock. No, there was, it, it just made zero sense. I was, I was watching, at first I thought he just, like, kind of slipped out of his hand or something. And then when they showed the replay, I was like, what? Like, why would you even why would you even attempt that at that point and even risk giving him back possession? Rondo's supposed to be a smart dude, but that was a dumbass play on his part. I, I think he out I think he outsmarted himself. I, I think Luke after the game said like he was asked if Rondo was hurt. And uh let, let me let me look up exactly what his quote was, because it was hilarious. He said, um he said, Man, how did I lose it already? Your Twitter was great audio. That's why, man. That's why. Yeah, he said, I'm still questioning what he was doing on that last pass mentally, but physically he's fine, I guess. Well, hopefully, because mentally we we all questioning what the hell he was doing, what the hell he was yeah. doing on that play. That was like it was it didn't you did you find that game to be really uh it, it was weird. I almost felt like in the third quarter, like, all right, the Lakers seem like they're just gonna kind of keep the Clippers at bay with an eight to ten point lead, and you know, they'll they'll end up winning at the end, but uh, I was obviously concerned as as the Clippers kept chipping away, chipping away. Their defense, the, the Lakers I'm talking about in the fourth quarter, was brutal. Yeah, I, I think some of that was like, I think they just ran out of gas a little bit. And some of it was, I think they took their foot off the gas at the same time. Like, I, I think that they thought they had it in the bag and just kind of eased up on the intensity a little bit. And like how good they were defending before that was probably unsustainable. Like it was like, they've been good defensively, but like, especially when you're just getting LeBron back from a groin injury and all that stuff, like, you know, I, I think that sometimes, um, but like, I think there's just a tendency when you're up that big, like to, to, to relax a little bit. And then also like when you combine it with the fact that like you still have some guys getting healthy, they probably aren't able to go all out on defense the whole game. Like that's just how it's going to go. 
Yeah, and and even even with even even with LeBron, like he he was sluggish today and slow, which you expect after missing a month of of the season, especially at 30, 34 years old. But I mean, I found in, in the overtime there, he kind of took over things on the offensive end and got to the bucket. And, you know, his jumper wasn't falling. He was able to get to the hoop and get some easy lanes, and and I think that kind of opened things up for the rest of the guys. So I mean, the effect that he has on this team naturally, as he would on on the twenty nine other teams in the league, is just huge for for the Lakers going forward. Yeah, yeah, I, I think like like getting LeBron back, even a LeBron that's like kind of taking his foot off the gas is uh, or like not taking his foot off the gas. Like he just he clearly wasn't going all out tonight. Even after the game, he said he was only eighty percent. Like he played well, and just having him on the floor is huge for the Lakers. But he very clearly like wanted to be a little bit in like you know like in third gear and let Brandon Ingram do a little bit more until the end when he started like trying to take over the offense a little bit more, especially in that overtime. Brandon Ingram, you know, I've, I've been critical of him a lot, especially on this podcast too, but, you know, last four games, he's shooting about 70%. He had 19 tonight, a little bit, a uh, little bit, uh, not as noticeable in the, in the second half as he was in the first, but he's almost, it's like one of two things. Either he's trying to show the management, hey man, I, I can play, don't, don't trade me to a place like New Orleans, or he's beefing up his trade value. Yeah, I don't know. Like it, it was, uh, it was fun. We kept joking during the game that like the like somebody needed to let Dell Demps know that this game was going on and get him <laughs> to his TV. But like, um, I think Ingram over the last couple games has played really, really well. I think he's been shooting above sixty percent. I saw that he like he just got his field goal percentage to like forty nine percent with how well he's been shooting over the last couple games. So it's like forty nine percent on the season now, which you know. Like that's kind of, that's almost like a backhanded compliment to say that he's like up to 49% now, but like still that's progress. And that's good that he's played well enough to to raise his averages. And I, I, he's been really good. He's like, he's been playmaking, he's been scoring. And the fact to me, like tonight, the fact that he did it with LeBron is pretty big because like the, the whole thing was people were worried about his fit with LeBron and all of that stuff. And so for him to come out and then LeBron's first game back still play this well, I think is pretty big just in the sense of like it in the unlikely event that they end up holding on to Brandon Ingram in like whatever trade or transactions they're going to make over the next, you know, either week or the next like year. Uh, like him being able to show that he can fit with LeBron is pretty big for this team. And then just him playing well in general, especially if they're trying to get some type of return on him for a trade, like in a trade package is also huge. So it's, it's a win-win. Yeah, that's a hundred percent right. Like, because either way they have, whatever they do with Brandon Ingram, either if you keep him, you want him to hopefully find his footing. And like you said, uh, it was always a clunky fit with him and LeBron before LeBron got hurt on Christmas. But uh, if he's able to do this consistently and and the Lakers kind of strike out on, on a guy like Anthony Davis, I mean, this is the next best thing. Now, let, you know what? Let's just ju- jump right into it. I mean, the, the rumors and everything was flying off the handle today. It was one of those one of those mornings where you're just refreshing your Twitter feed nonstop. You want to see if anything breaks. Um, the Lakers reportedly pushed in all their all their trade chips and, and, and basically told Dell Demps, uh, Magic Johnson did, look, you can take anybody off our roster except for LeBron. Um, if they don't get this deal done by next Thursday at the deadline, I don't think the Lakers are going to get Anthony Davis until he's, he's a free agent. I, I think ultimately Boston's package will be better if, you know, after July 1st, once, once they're able to kind of re-sign Kyrie. But, uh, what do you think about that? Like, do you, do you think it's a, it's imperative that the Lakers get him signed or get the deal done now before February 7th? 
I definitely thought it was more imperative before the Knicks made their move today and traded uh, Porzingis to the Mavericks in like what essentially amounted to a salary dump. Like uh, Dennis Smith Jr. is a good player, so it's not a total salary dump. Like they're getting something back, but to be afraid of Porzingis's restricted free agency and basically just trade him to clear cap room is not how I expected that to go at all, especially not for a guy that people were talking about could be one of the main chips in an Anthony Davis trade. And like, you know, you could say what you will, like if the, if the Knicks didn't end up getting the number one pick, then a Porzingis and, you know, like, let's say like the fourth pick or something trade is not going to be enough to get Anthony Davis unless the Pelicans are just going full petty. But like, so, but let's say, let's just say that like that was potentially an option. Like that was, that was, it, there, it, it was within the realm of possibility that they were able to have those two assets. That's now out the window. So the Knicks are no longer a suitor for Anthony Davis or wouldn't seem to be. Um, and then now the Knicks, as a consequence are a suitor for two max stars and you know who's been rumored to want to go there a whole lot this summer is Kyrie Irving and like there's been a lot of rumors about him and the Knicks and there's been a lot of rumors about Kevin Durant at the Knicks and and the Knicks and maybe now that they can get both uh, that's a little bit more enticing to them which then all of a sudden puts Boston on the ropes a little bit and all of a sudden Boston is not only like not that they would have traded Kyrie for Anthony Davis so it doesn't really remove assets from them but what it does do is it might remove assets from them in the sense that they may not be willing to put as many assets on the table because they are afraid that Irving might leave and they are afraid that they then lose Davis for nothing if they traded him. And he's really trying to get to the Lakers as it seems. And like if Davis is really trying to get to the Lakers and like Boston isn't willing to put all of their assets on the table because they're afraid that he'll leave because like Kyrie left or they're not sure he's going to stay or whatever it may be then like, and they don't put all their assets into the middle of the table, then the Lakers may be able to outbid them. So I I was a lot more sure about like the Lakers needed to get this done within the next week uh, before these last like 24 hours, that Knicks trade really changed it to me. I think that that shifted that, like that, that set like, you know, you never want to say something's a done deal before it's done, but it just seems like a lot of signs are pointing that way now towards the Lakers ending up with Anthony Davis, whether it's within the next week or this summer. That's kind of the key to it all. Because to me, and this is a different scenario than it is with with Paul George, it's a different scenario than it is with Kawhi Leonard, uh, simply for the fact that those guys didn't have agents with a guy like Rich Paul, who who's you know with LeBron, and basically Rich LeBron is Rich Paul's agent, right? Like, let's get that straight. Whatever whatever uh, uh, LeBron wants done, and and uh, you know he'll tell Rich Paul, and he'll be like, all right, this is how it's happening, and and Rich Paul goes out there and does it. So LeBron's running the show. LeBron's, uh, I think Rich Paul has made it crystal clear, probably to to people in you know in the league and and executives that look, he's going to LA. Nothing's going to stop him. I I don't see the Lakers not ending up with him eventually. I just think it's going to be tough from a Pelican standpoint uh, to to take a Lakers deal if somebody like Boston is offering up more. You know, pending they do re-sign Kyrie, because if you look at it, the picks that the 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 Celtics can give up, as well as the fact that. They might. I don't know for sure. I don't know if that'd be the right thing to do, but giving up Jason Tatum in a deal as well. uh, Isn't that package a little bit more enticing to Dell Demps than what do you get from the Lakers? Maybe some of some of those picks are protected and may not convey this year, in which case they aren't necessarily like as it's like the Celtics may not push Tatum into the into the center of the table and the Pelicans have to figure that out, whether or not they believe they'll do that. 
before the trade deadline within the next seven days, they don't get to wait to see if that offer is like actually really on the table. And I think that that's going to factor in here too. Like, and like, I guess the other thing to me is like Tatum is, he would be the best asset that's on the table, like out of all of them, but the rest of the stuff is not that much better than the Lakers stuff. And so again, like, I think it's a lot of it's going to come down to are the Celtics when push comes to shove actually going to be willing to include Tatum. I'm not sure that they're going to be because of this fear of potentially like losing both, you know, like Davis and Kyrie. And then like, not even having Tatum anymore to show for it. I, I think the Celtics may ultimately uh, have to kick the can down the road here. Yeah, that that is going to be the, the the big story. I think over the over the next seven days, and then after that, the months following, uh, whenever the Warriors win the championship again, barring uh, any injuries. But uh, uh, I agree with you. I, I think the Celtics are in a situation where, unless you know you're going to get Kyrie to sign on the dotted line, it's almost pointless to go after Anthony Davis in 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 the summertime because he probably won't end up staying. You don't want to give up, like you said, and end up without Davis, Tatum, and uh, Kyrie. And and the Knicks, it's a funny thing with them. You know? You know, we've been talking about New York like uh, for the last seven, eight, nine years, you know, even when Mello was there, like, oh, they're going to get another superstar and they have the cap space and everybody wants to play in New York. You know, the Mecca of Madison Square Garden. Nobody's went there. And as long as James Dolan is running the show, that's an incompetent franchise. I, I don't know if any superstar is going to sit there and say, that's where I want to go play to win championships. Yeah, I, I mean, so again, like, obviously, that's the big variable here. And so if like the Knicks aren't really an option and they do keep Kyrie, then maybe Anthony Davis is more willing to stay. But just to go back to like the, the Rich Paul LeBron thing, like I, I ultimately Rich Paul is like, like is not going to last very long as an, as an agent, if he's not also working for his clients, like besides LeBron and like the fact that they've gone all like this all out assault on the new Orleans Pelicans, basically like, and to, that benefits the Lakers makes me think that Davis really wants to be in LA too. I don't think that this is just a LeBron thing, although I'm sure that that certainly, like, it certainly doesn't hurt that it could potentially help both of his clients. Like, I do think that this is something where like Davis probably wants to do it well. And I don't think that it's an accident. There are leaks that they think that like, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was that report that like, he's saying that anywhere he goes is he's treating it like a rental or like a one year, like a one year rental or whatever. And if you're the Celtics and you're looking at potentially giving up your entire war chest for Davis and he might, he's saying that he's going to leave in a year, maybe you're bold enough like the thunder to make that deal, like make that deal like they did with Paul George. But when the thunder were making that trade for Paul George, it really didn't look like they were giving up all that much. Like if the Celtics were to make this deal and give up, like, let's just say, for example, like they gave up, like Tatum and they gave up Brown and they gave up, you know, a couple picks or whatever. And then Davis left in a year. Like that's the type of job as a GM you lose your job for. I don't know that that's the type of thing where they're going to be really gung ho to do it, which is why I think that the Pelicans may see over this next week that the writing is kind of on the wall and they may have to make a deal with the Lakers, whether they like it or not. Like at some point you have to take emotions out of it and try and make the best deal for yourself. That's where I think the Pelicans are, are sitting right now. Like, despite the fact that, and you've heard reports that, you know, Pop told uh, Del Demps and Alvin Gentry and these guys, like, don't give in and, and you know what I mean? Don't, uh, 
Don't trade him to L.A. What do you expect Anthony Davis to do? He's given seven seasons to that team. They made it past the first round once. They don't have they haven't been able to build a, a championship team. And it's like I, I heard a quote from Chris Middleton where he was like, we're not really concerned about the, the Bucks playing in Milwaukee. We're concerned about the organization. Like these guys have put us in a position to win. And that was basically the narrative, I, I think, when, when Jim Buss was here, too. It was like, the Lakers have cap space. LeBron's coming in 2010. Then KD's coming to the Lakers. And they didn't come close because the right regime wasn't wasn't really running things. And and although, I mean, I I, I like the player movement. I think it's fun as, as, as not only as a fan, but, uh, you know, covering it and being a part of the media. But ultimately it's it's on these organizations to be good and I, and I think it's it's funny that uh, Anthony Davis is getting all this vitriol thrown at him especially considering the fact that Dell Demps and that entire organization has been crummy from day one yeah I I just I thought that it, I kind of made fun of this earlier this week when we were writing about this stuff but like like for Dell Demps to be uh, like pissed off that LeBron, you know, like went out to dinner with Anthony Davis and like, oh, like the, the like screaming tampering about LeBron saying on the record that he'd like to play with Anthony Davis and like these other obvious things. It's like, I would argue that it was probably more impactful that you like willingly signed uh, Omer Ashik to like a long-term deal and <laughs> yeah, did, yeah. did things like that. Like if this, if this is not because LeBron made like uh, made goo-goo eyes at Anthony Davis from across the league. Like, I mean, it is about that, but it's also about like, like if you had put the type of roster around him, then he'd be saying the types of things that Giannis is saying right now, where like I know you were, you said Chris Middleton earlier, but Giannis like came out with some pretty strong quotes to Howard Beck in a piece earlier this year where he was talking about he wanted to remain in Milwaukee forever. He thought that they were like focused on the right things. And, you know, that can always change once a guy gets closer to their free agency. But like, you know, I, I think Anthony Davis gave them time and it's like he doesn't have more time to sit around while they max out Drew Holiday and like, you know, and then let Boogie Cousins walk, who was like his close friend and let Rondo walk and like, just say no, but don't worry, we're going to fill out the roster around you. And we're just trying to like get competitive again when they've never shown an ability to do that. Like, I don't blame him for not trusting them. It's not just like, I'm not trying to be a homer. Like if there was another situation where he could end up in, that would be better than like good for him. But like, I I think for Davis, like he's got to be looking at franchises that are going to try and maximize his prime because like he's about to be 25. Like that's not old, but you're about to start entering your prime and you probably want to be a place where you're set up to win for the next couple of years. Yeah, for sure. That's where, that's where he's at. And you know what, he's going to be there for hopefully. And if he comes to the Lakers, it's eight to 10 years and you want to maximize, like you said, your, your chance at winning. And it's funny when I was younger, I used to look at sports as, you know, the athlete should have some loyalty towards the franchise. And as I've gotten older, I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, go do whatever you got to do to put yourself in the best situation. And he's not turning his back. At it. And as much as people rag on Kevin Durant for, for doing it just by the circumstances, from a competitive standpoint, yeah, it probably wasn't the best uh, decision aesthetically. But for him, he, you have to take care of yourself. And I think that's where people tend to forget. These guys are human beings, too. They, they, Anthony Davis has played there for seven years. He's legitimately been an MVP candidate, you know, let's just say the last two or three seasons. Um, and he's not showing any any signs of improvement. I mean, I think if Boogie didn't get hurt, they, they probably would have got just as far as they did last year, which is to the second round. Yeah, and I, I think the other thing, too, that you have to consider here is, like, Anthony Davis, like, if you're just looking at it from, like, a, you know, like, we're both trying to, like, give each other, like, equal progress and like production like Anthony Davis has given the Pelicans a lot more than the Pelicans have given Anthony Davis 
Like I think, you know, like that, that is not an equal relationship where they are, that is not a mutually beneficial relationship. And like most NBA teams are not going to have fully mutually beneficial, beneficial relationships with like a top five player in the league, because a top five player in the league is more valuable than anything else. But at the same time, like it's, it's impossible to argue that the Pelicans have done everything that, that have like put him in every position to succeed. Like they haven't done nothing. They've had some okay teams. They've made some okay moves. I thought the DeMarcus Cousins gamble was smart and like it was worth a shot, but they just like, it hasn't worked out. And like, ultimately it, it Davis, it, that's his right to want to play somewhere else and to let them know that he's not going to sign that extension and try and get traded. And if they don't want to trade him, like, it's not like he's, deliberately come out and said like he's not going to like that he's not going to honor his contract like he's he's you know he's hurt right now we'll see if he'll come and play but like if if they don't trade him you know like and they decide to play him down the stretch of the season I'm sure he'll play and if he's healthy and I'm sure that like he'd play next year or whatever but like he doesn't owe the Pelicans any more than that and so in some ways like he is doing them a favor by letting them know that now, instead of just like staying silent and walking for nothing. Like, you know, like the, the thunder never had a a chance to trade Kevin Durant because he didn't really tell them his intentions and then just up and walked away. You know, Mm -hmm. like that's how that, like that's how this stuff goes sometimes. Well, if I'm, if I'm Gail Benson, sell the team and just move it to Seattle already. That's it. Be done with it. I don't want to, I don't want the team in, in, in New Orleans anymore. Seattle deserves a team. Uh, that's a that's a crappy franchise that probably will never win an NBA championship. So it's just like, what's the point of even being there? Yeah, it's good for business, but time to move on from that city. Uh, if Anthony Davis doesn't come, let's just say the Lakers fail to get him now, but before the trade deadline, uh, he's ultimately shipped somewhere else, Boston or a surprise team like a Milwaukee or Toronto, who rumored to at least kick the can uh, to see with Del Demps if what it'll take to get Davis on their squads. What's the backup plan for the Lakers? I think the backup plan is the same as it's been for a while. It's like to keep cap space open for that next star. And, uh, you know, like I think maybe they make a move for a shooter at the deadline or whatever. But, like, I don't think that there's going to be – I think the fireworks would be the Anthony Davis thing. And I think otherwise they're probably going to keep their powder dry for this summer. And I think that you saw a report to uh, like similar to that today where it was like the Lakers were saying – that if they don't get Davis, they're going to go star chasing this summer and that their assets may not be on the table for the Pelicans because they're going to go and maybe do something else. And that's another thing where the Pelicans are kind of up against the gun at this point. Yeah, the Pelicans really, uh, that's where I agree with you too. I, I think the longer they wait, the more teams are going to wait it out and the more they're going to get deterred by the fact that, look, he, he's not signing there. and he's, he's let his intentions be known. You could take a gamble like Sam Presti did with, with Paul George and hope it pays off. But to me, this is just a little bit of a, of a different situation with between Paul George and, and, and Anthony Davis. Yes, I, I think for because like the, the other part of this is because like Paul George had an agent that like did not have the best relationship with the Lakers at the time. And like, because the D'Angelo Russell move had just happened and like Julius Randall, like I think, I guess at that point he wasn't like not playing that much, but it seemed to be that the writing was on the wall that he might not get the extension that they were probably looking for to be like a franchise centerpiece or that he wasn't in the Lakers plans moving forward. Like with 
with Anthony Davis, he is the same agent as LeBron and as like to a lesser degree, Contavious Caldwell Pope. This is an agent that has built like a strong relationship with the Lakers and can probably do uh, like a pretty good sales pitch for how they treat their players and things like that. I think there's absolutely no no chance that there's no way Davis doesn't end up here either either now this summer or or when his contract's up in for the 2021 season. See, that's the interesting part here, and that's the part where the Lakers are, I think, on a little bit of a deadline, too. Like, is does this still look as shiny to Davis in the 2020-2021 season when LeBron's going to be 35? And, like, you know, it's looking like, like maybe he does want to come and be the main star in Los Angeles, but if everything that he says about – and, like, LeBron, who's to say – I'm not saying that he's going to have fallen off a cliff by then, but maybe it looks so marginally less attractive by then. So, like, I don't want to say that he's a guarantee to end up in L.A. because things can always change. Like, if the Knicks, like, if the Knicks whiff on Irving and Durant or whatever, Irving decides to resign in Boston and Boston puts all their chips on the table, then, and like Anthony Davis gets close with Kyrie, who he's reportedly close with, then like maybe things change at that point. But right now it does seem like it's kind of Lakers or bust. Exactly. And, and, and that's going to be kind of the, the key. That's why I keep saying, you know, to me, the key is the Lakers, if they can get them now, you don't, you don't want to take your chances. You don't yeah, know what's going to happen. Love. I wrote this today, but like a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. It's like, it's, it's like an old adage, but it's an accurate one in this case. Like it's, and I wrote it actually about the Pelicans, but um, it, the same goes for the Lakers. Like oh, I see what the you did Pelicans, there. Yeah, it's a, good, a good one, right? The bird Pelicans. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, oh that yeah. Actually, yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't even thought about that, but yes, <laughs> uh, an Anthony Davis in the hand is worth uh, like two potential superstars in the summer. Oh, absolutely. He's a, you know, like you said, he's going on 25. The guy's going to be, I mean, health. Yeah, that's the other thing. He's 25. Like people are talking about like, you know, you can't trade the whole young core for it. It's like you can trade your whole young core when the superstar that you're getting back is 25 years old. Yeah, it's and Kuz is you know people are I've had people reply to me online about like don't trade Kuz and it's like dude, Kyle Kuzma's 24 years old. He is what he is at this point. He's a good player. I'm not saying he isn't. I think he might be able to make an all star team eventually. But um, if you can give up him and, and a guy like Brandon Ingram, who's looking a lot better lately, you, you have to make the deal and just get him onto your team, get him in a Lakers uniform. You'll figure out the rest. And, and you look at this, like guys like DeAndre Jordan, you, although the Knicks did say they're not going to buy him out and or, you know, him and Wesley Matthews are going to keep him around for the rest of the season. That remains to be seen. But, um, you know, if you're able to, if you're able to Teams keep a lot of the time, say that to get guys to give up more than you think they might on their buyout. Yeah, and, that, and that's that's what I'm thinking too. It's a business move, right? Because they basically got the whole month yeah. until they, they can do that. And it's like you've seen guys like David West do that with the Warriors where, um, yeah, he's not necessarily one of the main guys, but he'll come in and play 12, 14 minutes a night and you know you're not going to get lose anything. You're probably not going to gain too much. But uh, And you've seen that, you know, guys like James Posey with, with the Celtics back in 2008. Uh, guys are going to be willing to come play here. Established, you know, NBA, good NBA veterans are going to want to come play with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Yeah, exactly. And especially are going to want to do so in L.A. It was one thing when LeBron was trying to recruit free agents to Cleveland. I think being able to recruit them to L.A. is a different animal. Absolutely. I mean, L.A. is it's it's the it's the star of the NBA, along with along with the Knicks, the the Lakers, and the Knicks. When when both teams are good and relevant, the NBA is just a way better league. And that's why I was actually I was surprised that they that they gave up on Porzingis. It was like I saw Woj's tweets about. Uh, they had the meeting and, and it looks like, you know, Porzingis might have insinuated that he wanted to get traded. 
But uh, you so know, like the fact to me that it. leak was like that leak reeked of like the Knicks trying to make Porzingis look bad, look bad on the way out. Like, like oh no, he demanded this. We weren't going to trade him. Like, really, you got to trade like ten minutes later, uh, like after uh, after this alleged like demand leaks. Like, come on, you guys were talking about trading him for a while. Like uh, the other thing, I I will say like the Lakers are. You compared the Lakers to the Knicks, like. The Lakers are just like the Knicks if the Knicks have, you know, like a historic track record of success and like existed in a nice sunny, sunny city that's pleasant to live in and like all of that stuff. But um, and like had competent ownership, like but other than that, they're just like each other. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's funny. I mean, the Lakers, I really think that, you know, after Dr. Buss had, had passed away, um, Jim Buss for just couldn't get it. He just didn't know how to run the organization. And we were, we were touching on this a bit earlier too. Like if you, if your leadership at at the top isn't, isn't good and isn't competent and doesn't know what it's doing, it's going to trickle down to the entire organization. You're seeing that with James Dolan and, and the, and the Knicks, you've seen that now there for, for many years, other than maybe that one good Carmelo season where they got to the second round, they've been terrible under his ownership. And and you saw that with, with uh, Jeannie, uh, or pardon me, with Jim when he was taken over. And it's like now Genie is starting to, to clear that up. And, and and when the ownership's good and there's a plan in place, people are going to want to come here. And like you said, it, it's Los Angeles. It's it's the center of the uh, NBA world. It's the center of the entertainment world. Guys would be stupid not to want to play here. Yep. And you, and you have Anthony Davis and LeBron to make you look good. So like and make things easy on you. So I think it's just like win, win, win all over the place. And, um, you know, if, they, if that's, you know, obviously provided they get Anthony Davis or they get another star. But I do think that they're going to have an easier time recruiting. Yeah. All right. I'll get you out of here on this one. Ultimate prediction on next Friday, February 8th. Is Anthony Davis going to be in a Lakers uniform? It's fine. I feel I've, I've been on actually our Silver Screen and Roll podcast feed uh, every single day this week. And I feel like I've had a different answer every day. Uh, at this point, I think it is going to get done based on like what the reason that that has changed since the last time I was on here is because the, the Knicks are no longer on the table. I think the Celtics position may have been weakened. And I just think that like right now you, you can't not, you can say that there's a chance the Lakers don't get him, but you can't say that they're not the favorites. Absolutely. They, they are like if they're the in the in the pole position to get them. If they don't, I think it's more not on the fact that because Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka are doing the right thing. I think it's more of a spite and, and Dell Demp's uh, attitude towards the Lakers than it is about Magic and uh, Rob Palenka not putting together the right deal. Oh, for sure. I, I think that they're going to have to overcome a certain amount of like their saltiness. Yeah, which is which to me is so lame. If if that's the best offer for your team and that's the way you could make your franchise, you know, good and 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 better going forward, forget the pettiness. Do do what's best for business and make sure the team is is well put together. One would think that that's what they'd do, but you know, like we've seen stranger, uh, we've seen stranger and more spiteful acts in the NBA. Well, that's why that's why the uh, that's why the Pelicans stink, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, that that that's probably that's why teams like the Pelicans stink. Um, exactly because they put their small market pride of we aren't going to let the Lakers fleece us over what is best for their the like the long term health of their franchise like it's better to get something than nothing for them I like I'm not saying that like the Pelicans can't get like you know another offer or whatever but like if you can you got to take the best offer that's on the table like nobody like the rest of the league is not going to look more fondly at you like and be like oh yeah you know we're going to do a trade to do those guys a solid because they didn't let the Lakers get this guy 
Yeah, and, and that's where, and that's to me is, is exactly right. You, you you hit it right there. And it, if the Pelicans fail to do that, like I said, pack that thing up, move it to Seattle, and let, let somebody competent actually have a chance at running it. Yeah, like you know, if Greg Popovich wants the wants the Pelicans to hold off or not deal him to the Lakers so bad, like put your money where your mouth is. Like throw a first round pick into like a three team deal and take like a second rounder back or something. Like if this is so important to you, like you know, just get yourself involved. Let yourself get fleeced by the Pelicans just to make it so that Anthony Davis doesn't get to the Lakers. But otherwise, shut up and stop telling Dell Demps how to do his job. There you have it. Harrison Fagan laying it down. That's a challenge to pop right there. I'm sure he's going to listen to this podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure pop is like a huge fan of the silver screen roll podcast. Uh, that's right. Well, you know what? He's like You're... our exact target demographic. Our <laughs> first head coaches. 67 and salty, right? That's, that's what, that's what our, that's yeah, what our exactly. That's what we're looking is. for. <laughs> well, Harrison, it's always good to talk to you, man. I know you're busy. Uh, you're basically running the silver screen and roll website. So thanks for taking the time out to come on, man. No, it's all, it's always fun. And I'm happy. Like this is uh this has been one of the like first weeks of this year where we've had like new stuff to talk about every day. So, uh, you know, I couldn't have picked a better week to do a couple podcast appearances. Well, well I'm sure we'll do it again. Uh, do it again soon, man. Yes, for sure. All right. That's Harrison Fagan. You can check him out on Twitter at Harrison Fagan. Don't forget to follow us as well at Lakers SBN and go to silverscreenandroll.com, especially at a time like this where the NBA is making you completely forget about the Super Bowl, which is happening on Sunday. Uh, lots of coverage for the Lakers, instant analysis, stats, breakdowns of the games. You got it. Uh, you name it. We got it on the website. Harrison himself, Christian Anthony, always have you covered. And don't forget, Check out our podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify, pretty much anywhere you can listen to a podcast. We're there. That's it for this week's episode. It's going to be a huge week for the Lakers. Trade deadline coming up exactly a week from today. As I mentioned off the top, recording this on a Thursday night after the Lakers beat the Clippers. Only a game behind now, but tough challenge coming up on Saturday. Uh, Lakers taking on the Warriors in Golden State, and the Warriors lost to the Sixers. Joel Embiid rubbed it in as well, so I'm sure they're not going to be happy. It'll be a good one on Saturday night in primetime. That's it for this week's episode. I'll check you all out next week.